At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, you. Just before we start the show, I just have a few quick announcements I'd like to share with you. Number one, thank you so much for coming back and listening to this show. This episode that's about to be released is less graphic than the usual episodes. So if you feel like you usually skip these episodes because they're too heavy or too much or too graphic, this might be an episode that will work for you because we analyze a lot more than talk about the actual abuse, which might benefit you if you want the awareness without the graphic knowledge of the actual abuse. Number two, there is a giveaway going on on Instagram right now that I have collaborated with over 30 brands with who are generously giving away as something free. Most of the items are articles of clothing. I will be giving a free album CD to the one winner who will go home with over 30 gifts. So to enter, all you have to do is go to Instagram. You could go to my story and I link there or go straight to empowering.women.giveaway. Check that out. You won't want to miss this giveaway. Uh, Thanks to all the listeners who reached out from last time who expressed interest in helping with creating and growing this podcast. I love hearing from you. If you haven't reached out and you are interested, I encourage you to reach out anyway. I love starting conversations with you and hearing more about what you enjoy about this podcast. So without any further ado, here's our episode for today. Welcome back to The Francisca Show, the show on which people share their stories. This is the Survivor Special where survivors of physical, sexual, and emotional abuse come forward to share their experiences, thereby raising awareness and preventing the likelihood of it happening again. No further research has been done into these stories. This episode is intended for mature audiences and listener discretion is advised. I am Francisca, and you are listening to the No More Silence special on The Francisca Show. Welcome back to the No More Silence series on The Francisca Show, everyone. If this is your first time, welcome. I hope you gain a lot by listening to this. I'd like to welcome onto the show today, Andrea. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. I'll give you the mic and you can begin wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in France. I was about... Um, so my memory is not very clear on that, but I definitely have time markers in my, in my mind. So I know about the time. So I was a bit about eight, nine years old when I at least remember that it happened. So I'm not sure when it's exactly started, but it was, uh, my cousin who was about 10 years older than me. And, uh, it was at my aunt and uncle's house so his house basically so he was definitely a late teenager young adult and I was definitely like eight years old so it was definitely a big age gap there not just physically but also obviously in mind I'm not sure I want to go in the details of exactly what happened you do not have to there was a big gap also for me because I actually repressed the memories of my abuse 
for more than 12 years. Because the memory started reappearing when about I was about between 18 and 20 years old. And what I mean started reappearing was basically some bits of memory started hap- like coming back as nightmares in my dreams. At first, it was very disturbing because obviously it was like sometimes like a lot of nightmares, at least for me personally, happens as me being an onlooker of what's going on. But these ones were very specific, very detailed. And I was the the center, like it was through my eyes. So it was a very different thing. And there was a feeling behind every time I would wake up and uh, I was remembering those nightmares. There was something that was telling me like, it's not, it's not just nightmares. And it, it started like... Fr- I would say from months to months to having more details, more pieces coming back. And it was more and more disturbing. And obviously, as a young early 20s, I was in college. I was far away from home. And then suddenly I realized I thankfully started going to going to see a doctor. I kind of felt that something was wrong. And thankfully, I acted on that. And I also talked to some of my friends discreetly asking vague questions and stuff like that and um and it lasted for several years i actually unfortunately at some point started having a very bad depression uh very like to the point where i actually attempted suicide i was actually doing at the time an internship abroad so i was very very alone and uh and all those memories flooding back were just overwhelming and it was a bad time in my life probably the worst time ever and uh thankfully i immediately went to seek medical help therapy everything and uh i slowly got better and the year after i actually went to grad school and that year of grad school i was in england uh, doing grad school and I had amazing friends. I actually opened up to them. For me, it seems that my way of dealing with everything was actually to talk about it. And when I opened up to some of my friends, it was actually eerie to realize the number of, I would say at the time, either children, but also young women, like something like teenagers, were actually abused and don't actually want to talk about it or don't feel that they will be listened. I actually started being basically kind of, I wouldn't say an activist because I'm not part of any like organization or anything like that, but definitely talk about it openly with people around me. I am a victim, but I don't want to feel like a victim. I want people to understand that this is part of my history. And so coming back, sorry, to when I was in grad school, I actually decided upon myself to write to the court back in France and actually ask them to start an inquiry. I wanted to do that for myself. I didn't really want to go to court, like do a testimony in front of people. But I felt like for me, I needed to write to actually say, hey, this happened. I want this at least recorded. I know know it's weird to say that, but... I, I actually wanted an official paper saying, hey, I did the right thing. I actually went for, came forward and I don't know, nothing really actually happened from that because too long ago, unfortunately, there was no physical proof. And I felt really 
also proud of myself for doing it and I don't regret one moment. So at the time, I hadn't told any of my family members about it. I was afraid, since this was my own cousin, that it would literally made my family explode, like that, that I would have no one left from my family. And I just, at the, until that point, I couldn't handle it. So I just kept it to myself. At that point, I was in grad school and I was like, you know what, what the heck? I'm going to do it. And my school was also very supportive. Uh, I went to see a counselor at school, at the grad school, at the university. My counselor actually told me, you need to take care of this. You definitely have to talk to your family about it. So they actually gave me uh, accommodations. And like I was able to fly back home like mid middle of the term. So I did. I flew back home. I told my mom, I'm like, there's something I need to talk to you about, but I need to do that in person. The, the weight was enormous. I I don't regret it at all. I sat down with my mom and I, I told her exactly like I told her. And I thought she was never going to believe me. But she did. <laughs> she told my dad, and he believed me. <laughs> um, um, my sister, my brother, they all believed me. My sister actually was the one that had the the strongest reaction. Like I wouldn't say my parents didn't have a strong reaction, but it was more of the like a parental the reaction of they were shocked, but they were also taking the blame which was really rough actually for me and I actually told them I'm like you're not responsible it has nothing to do with you like he knew he was sneaking like he knew that he was doing something wrong I told my mom I'm like I know that he's your nephew but he you can't take the blame right now so it was a it was a tough decision but my sister was definitely the one that had the the strongest I would say gut reaction like she was just furious and my sister is eight years younger than me so I didn't actually expect that that really that gut reaction coming from her we never really had like a really super strong sisterly bond like we it was always kind of like I don't know I guess it's maybe the eight years difference we were good together but never like we never hung out or anything but she became my strongest defender like every anytime it had to do with something like this, especially around other family members that were definitely not very supportive. She would just go to hell and back. What really surprised me was actually the reaction of my cousins. So my abuser's two brothers. Uh, one is two years younger than my abuser. And another one is, I think, four years, I believe, younger than him. And they're both like absolutely 100% behind me. And they actually kind of cut him out from their life. I'm also really, I say, I, I guess, proud of myself for speaking out because another cousin who was female, who was about the same age as me, was also abused by the same person. And she spoke up at that family dinner and said, this happened to me too with that same person and it shocked everyone and she had never talked to it to about it before our stories they, they are so similar that it is crazy 
we were at, at the time children of like our parents were going through tough times, which happens in every like family. But her her family basically, she had just lost her mom to breast cancer, so she had just lost you know the female role model in her life, and obviously her father was devastated which I like there was no other word for it and obviously as a kid she was I think she was about eight or nine years old it was it was really really tough and he knew it he knew it and took advantage of that and on my side my parents were having were going through a rough time I think at the time my mom was pregnant with my sister they were just going through a a rough spot in their marriage and he basically took advantage of that too like, it's crazy how we actually started talking and we saw some very eerie, similar details. And, like, it's just crazy. And we actually found out that there's possibly a third young woman or young young girl who is also abused. But she's re- kind of reluctant to come out because it's actually his own uh, half-sister. Before I had my son, I was actually pregnant with my son, and uh, I was actually diagnosed with PTSD from uh, child sexual abuse. Um, and uh, so that was like I actually felt really good after that, but I still have, and I probably will have in my entire life some uh, some issues from my childhood. So um, it's there's still some moments that are rough. Like I. Um, there's some there's some things that I still to this day will not will not do. Uh, when I give birth from my, with uh, when I gave birth to my son, I actually refused to be seen by any male providers. Um, I just couldn't. It was just too much to handle being in such a vulnerable state. I like and thankfully the hospital I gave birth in was really really understanding. And they made it absolutely a tremendous effort to accommodate. And they did. The only male provider that I had was someone who came to put my epidural in. And he was accompanied by a female student. And he didn't even touch me. It was pretty amazing how when you actually start talking about it and acknowledging that you were abused. But you, I don't want to go back into that cycle of depression and but at the same time, I need to protect myself. After saying and validating your difficult journey and, you know, survival of this and getting the strength to file a report, even though you didn't want to fight this necessarily, and encouraging other survivors to open up about their story for the first time, that's tremendous strength that you showed on your behalf. So you clearly have a passion for encouraging and being there for other survivors and helping them through the process of coming out and realizing what has happened to them, like the early, early stages. And one more thing I'd like to add about the whole triggering and reliving everything after becoming a parent, I think it has a lot to do with also you're bringing in a vulnerable child into the world who can also, you know, God forbid, be subject to something as horrible as that. And Absolutely. When I was pregnant, I actually had had some, it's really, like, this is a really hard thing to say now, because, like, I mean, my son is about to turn three, but uh, when I was pregnant, I was terrified that if 
we had a daughter that she would go through the same thing. It was just in my in my head. But at the same time, I was terrified that if we had a son, that he could potentially be an abuser. And that was crippling. I was absolutely, unbelievably, like, scared. It, it was... Uh, and just for that. And it was it was really, really hard to even say the words. Like, even to my husband, I was, like, just saying the word, like, you know, our son and abuser in the same sentence was was really hard. And, and, and I was actually feeling like I was already putting a label on our own kids even before they were born. How did you deal with that situation? How did you resolve that? Well, thankfully, I I know also the the symptoms of depression now. So I actually already like I I knew that something was was going on. So I went immediately to seek counseling and therapy. But I'm trying to turn it into something positive as much as possible. That's the only thing I can do. Let me ask you this: You started therapy around grad school maybe after grad school am i that was before you met your husband and you started your relationship so how did that affect your relationship and it sounds like your husband's very understanding and very aware and very helpful and a partner in this situation yes Um, so we actually met online and we talked online for about eight months before we even met uh, in real life. Um, and that was actually definitely one thing that I disclosed to him. I wouldn't say early on because it's not something like, you know, from the like second conversation that you're like, oh, by the way, you know. Um, but it was definitely something that I wanted to tell him later on when we were starting to discuss, like, hey, when are we going to meet? Like, are you going to come over or should I come over? Like, and that's when I actually started, like, mentioning it. I was like, you know, there's something I need to tell you. It's really, it's huge. And, uh, and, I, I, and I told him, like, this is something that is part of, of me, part of who I am. But it is, it is also affecting how like my relationships to different people. So, and I was very nervous to talk about it with him. Um, but he was very understanding and he's always been very understanding. He, he knows that um, there are certain things that there is a blockage there. Even in our intimate relationship, there is definitely some things that I will probably never be able to do. Um, but he's okay with that. Like, I think we thankfully talk a lot about it. Like, not, not a lot, but like, we, uh, I, I don't hesitate to tell him, hey, you know, like, I don't feel good today. There's, you know, stuff coming back. And, and he's like, hey, if you need to go see someone, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll even bring you there. Like, it was, it's, um, uh, um, he's definitely very understanding, thankfully. Uh, but to be honest, I don't think we would be together and married if he had not been understanding. A hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. So it seems like your family 
as you said, are very supportive. Even the your cousins, who are the brothers to your abuser, have uh, cut him off. Do you ever have to face your abuser in your current life, or has anything come up in adult life where you had to uh, come into contact with him? Thankfully, not anymore. So since I came out to my family, they basically also cut him off. So I have not had to meet him again. But I, I had to, I, I saw him several times um, before I actually came out to my family, uh, which was pretty hard. Thankfully, I was, it was always in my family home, in, at my parents' house. So it didn't feel like I still felt comfortable enough because I was in, I would say, it's a little weird, but in my territory. And I was always surrounded. I was always surrounded. Either there was my mom in the same room. There was never like, we were never, I could never be able to be alone in a room with him. That, that was not possible in my mind. I think that's valid. The only one um, who didn't support me and actually even called me a liar several times uh, was my aunt, my, my, my abuser's mom. Uh, she said that on the over the phone that on the speakerphone because my my own mom and my sister actually like heard the conversation that I was a liar that I had fabricated this that I should feel ashamed to even think like to even say stuff like that um, like stuff like this like really um, and and my my own mom and I I'm not the kind to. I'm basically a straight arrow. I was always a good student at school. I don't, I, I, I think probably growing up, the only lies I probably ever did was about candy or, or, you know, like doing some messes at home and like, like just the, just the childhood stuff. Like I never lied about other stuff. Even when I got bad grades, it was, I, I don't know, like, it, and, and for her to to even think that I could lie about something like that was very hurtful. But I, like, thankfully my mom and my sister just literally, like, they were very feisty. My sister, I had, don't think I've ever actually heard her curse that much in her life. <laughs> but um, she was like, you really think that Andrea would lie about something, like, so important? important and yeah and now she denies it she denies that she ever said I was a liar so I don't have any contact with her anymore thank goodness and uh, I'm I'm way better off anyway without her in my life so I, you know no regrets there yeah I think that it I think it's one of a mother's worst fears as we discussed earlier so that shock and that betrayal and the guilt that she might have and seems like she dealt with that and today she believes you but she needed time I, I kind of hope so uh but i definitely i don't really want to ask her the question anymore because that makes sense that totally makes sense also exactly i just don't want to i don't i don't want to really relive the uh uh like a potential that she would say, no, I still believe you lied. So I, I just don't want to do that to myself. Like, it's not about her anymore. I just want to take care of myself and my family 
And what really matters to me is that my own parents, my brother, my sister, my cousins believe me, even my grandmother believe me, which is, I mean, my grandmother, it took a long time for her to accept the fact that this could actually happen in her family. Like she's, she's very supportive. She, she doesn't talk about it because I mean, it's hard to, as a grandparent to talk about stuff like that. But she told me one time she hugged me and she's like, you know, it's going to be okay. And and for me, that was just enough to understand that she believes me. She just doesn't want to talk about it, which I can, I can totally understand. Like, um, there's a lot of people out there that, that don't have the words to, uh, to actually make you feel better. So sometimes it's better to just hug, to give a hug, just as a, a, a small smile. And that's enough for me. I don't want to hear, for example, like, oh, my goodness, like all, all the stuff you went through. You know, it's fine. Like I if you did, if you didn't go through that, then you will never understand how much how much like leftovers, I guess, is, is still there. Like I will always have that in me. And, uh, and it, it also it's part of it's part of me. Anyway, it will always be part of me. Absolutely. Are there any parting messages you would like to share with anyone listening out there? You ha- you're a victim, but you don't have to live as a victim. That's powerful. Uh, thank you so much, Andrea, for opening up and being vulnerable with us and hopefully encouraging other people to find help or feel support and encouragement. Yes. Oh, yes. Getting help getting help is definitely a vital part not not fearing to get help needing help is is not a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of of strength beautiful if you would like to write in or request to be on the show please do so by emailing me at franciscak at gmail.com that's f-r-a-n-c-i-s-k-a-k-a-y at gmail.com if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe and go to iTunes and leave us a good review. With your review, the show will rank higher and help others discover the show. This Francisca Show podcast will be hosting a No More Silence special on abuse once a month. However, do check in on other weeks for the interviews with female Jewish creatives. See you next time.